Oh, me. All right, let's do this so I can go to bed at a decent hour. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, no Said, kidding. Says the, says the dude who called us after the game yesterday. Oh, no. Everyone, to the CapsCorner.com podcast, CapsCorner.com, your source for Virginia sports. I am Brad Franklin, publisher of CapsCorner.com, coming to you live from the place where Franklin states in the West End of Richmond, where it is Wednesday, November the 30th. Uh, football season is officially over. It is basketball season all the time. Well, I guess football off season is kind of a season unto itself. Um, later on the show, we will discuss uh, the aforementioned off season in and of itself. Um, the bulk of the show that we are going to spend on Virginia basketball Cavaliers go up to Ann Arbor last night um, and come back with a 70 to 68 victory over the Wolverines um, after allowing Michigan to score 45 in the first half or telling them to 23 in the final 23 or excuse me, 20 minutes. Um, just a, a really interesting game that um, you know has a lot to, uh, lots of angles, lots of different things to discuss. Um, before we do that, let's uh, go around and introduce everybody. First in Fisherville, um, message board moderator du jour. David Spence is on the show. How's it going, my friend? Uh, it's been a pretty good day. I'm tired. Like those late games are not good for a dude my age. I'll tell you that much. <laughs> um, who Dave's on the board at? Who Dave's on Twitter? I, I think the truth, Dave, is is that they're not good for anybody at any age. Um, <laughs> that's just the longer short short of it. Especially if you're going to do the cardiac calves thing. Um, but I digress. Um, my sister sent me a text like right after that and was like, we're supposed to sleep now, <laughs> which I thought was great. Um, in Charlottesville, editor in chief, Justin Fur was also on the program. How's it going, my dude? Pretty good. And then you have to wait for Ken Palm to update, um, to see what the changes were. Not that I don't really do that, but yeah, you did. Um, Tell the truth. Last night I did. Cause I was up a little later. Um, I wonder why. <laughs> yeah. But the, I mean, yeah. And like you said, the adrenaline from the game and everything else too. So, at Justin underscore Ferber on Twitter. Cavs Corner, also on Twitter. Cavs underscore Corner, great place for the in-game updates, the content items, and the occasional Woody Banter. All right, 70-68, Virginia goes up to uh, Michigan and, and gets its first true road victory of the season. Um, an interesting game in, in a lot of ways. Um, Reese Beekman had 18. Um, Kihei Clark ended up with 16. Um, Jaden Gardner hits the... I guess what you can what amounts to I mean was the go ahead shot with 39 seconds left and then he and uh, Beekman sort of combined for uh, a block on on the Howard kid um, as time expires. Um, Virginia puts five in double figures. None of them are on mine Franklin. He two points, one of six from the floor, o of two from three, o of two at the free throw line. Those would have been rather large free throws at the time. Um, Virginia shoots 51% from the floor, 50% from three, but they only took eight of them. Uh, Michigan made eight, um, but which was, you know, for the a decent part of the game, a, a fairly substantial storyline. But then the Cavaliers sort of clamped down. Um, I, Tony talked at the after the game about, you know, sometimes you got to take off the tuxedo and get, you know, decide you're going to be stingy. Which um, is just a that's an all time Tony Bennett quote right there. Uh, Dave, it's not been 24 hours since the game even started, let alone since it um, uh, culminated. Um, what's uh, it, it, in the day after? What's uh, what's your vibe? I mean, did last night sort of confirm anything for you? Did it change any of your ideas about the ceiling? Or did, was it just good to see him go into a hostile environment against a pretty decent team with a lot of talent and pick up a W? Um, C. No. <laughs> um, look, I, I think it just proved – how important experience is in this system. Um, I mean, I think it, when the game got tight, you could tell Virginia had the more experienced roster. Um, they played calm when in the stressful situations, despite, you know, being behind for a good part of the, you know, good part of the game. Um, so yeah, experience obviously was, was shown. And then the depth of the roster, um, something Virginia didn't have last year, um, you know, with Franklin struggling to score, 
you know, getting contributions from several guys um, to kind of help, you know, they, they had a good lead to start with, had that Michigan had the big run and Virginia trailed for much, much of it. But that second half, it was, you know, Reese attacking, Kihei attacking, Shedrick playing well, BVP coming in, Gardner scoring. Um, and even though Franklin didn't score the ball a lot, he, his defense was, was really good. So, um, you know, that was my take on like this team can do some things. And then the third one for me, it would be, you know, that's two games now out of the six they played. Is that right? Six and Um Two games where the lineup, I didn't think we'd see a lot, which is BVP and Gardner on the floor at the same time played an integral role in winning a game. You know, the Illinois second half, that roster, you know, that lineup really got Illinois out of sorts and it did kind of the same thing last night. Um, you know, Dickinson still got his points, but it kind of messed up the rhythm Michigan had um, and, you know, gave him a different look on the defensive end. So that's fun. So, I mean, I think that just means Virginia's a, a team that can get it from multiple places every night and aren't going to panic. And that's what you want for a long season. Yeah. I mean, we have, you know, we, we on this very podcast last week, right, we talked a lot about sort of what what Vegas taught us about this team. We talked about the ceiling and the floor and how, the ceiling was probably higher and the floor was too. I thought that this is a really good example of a game that last year's Virginia team, I mean, last couple, you know, like they would have lost this game, right? Um, you know, Dickinson goes for 23s, 9 of 17 from the floor. Um, Michigan, I, I thought the fact that Virginia outscored them by 20 in the paint was as much a testament to sort of Virginia being smart, but also Virginia being versatile, right? Like, to this point in the season, Virginia shot the ball pretty well. And that was just not like this was not the game, right, where you needed to take a bunch of threes. Michigan was 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 clearly more than happy to give up the 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 mid-range and, and stuff around uh the lane, right? And Virginia just kept taking it and taking it and taking it. Reese Beekman, I thought, was aggressive. I thought he was decisive. I thought he was the difference in a lot of ways. But to to sort of get be to be down eleven at the break come back and put together that second half. Um, and I thought, to, to your point, Dave, about the lineup, I really thought that that was when they looked sort of the best. Now, yeah, the Dickinson kid's going to get his, but I thought Virginia did a really nice job of figuring out that mismatch with um, with Williams on, on BVP. And I thought, like, I really wished they would have kept going there because it was there a couple times, and, you know, I think – I know of at least two instances where Franklin had it on the wing and didn't throw it inside to him. Um, and he had the advantage, you know, they had Gardner had um, Dickinson on the other side of the lane and there was no chance for help. Um, I thought they just should have kept um, going to the well until um, Michigan kind of proved they could stop it. Ferber, what about you? What, day after, um, confirm anything for you? Did it change your point, point of view um, or just, you know, going in there in hostile environment, getting a W? I mean, it's hard to feel worse you know, about it, like, um, like worse about the team. I mean, like if they had gone up there and lost close, I think that would have been okay. Um, just because I think Michigan, like, I'm not saying they're like a complete product yet, but I think they're going to be as good as anybody. I don't know if they're going to be as good as anybody UVA is going to play all year. Um, but I think they could be like a sweet 16 team. They're good. Um, they have a lot of talent, pretty well coached. Um, and it was on the road. And I think like the way the, the manner in which they won is, is impressive. You know, like you mentioned last year's team, I don't think last year's team is coming out of an 11 point deficit. Um, facts. Like they, they facts. yeah, they're just losing like, and that, you know, it is what it is. Like they probably would have just lost by like 10. Um, and this team, you know, they were able to kind of like kill that lead off quickly. I think they had it down to two in like five minutes. Um, and I think that kind of just like that, Dave kind of spoke to their poise and, you know, their age. And I think that kind of showed early in the second half. And, you know, there was a stretch there later in the half where it was like both teams were kind of trading misses. And I was like, UVA's got to do something different. And ultimately what it ended up being was like Reese Beekman made a couple key plays on defense and, you know, Gardner finally hit one of those mid range shots that he had missed a few. Um, and, they were able to kind of get it done. I mean, for me, what this reinforces is that this team can win in a number of ways. They have lineup flexibility. Um, they've played a lot of different types of 
of really good players. I mean, Terrence Shannon kind of has his thing. Um, Jet Howard is is a similar sort of player, but bigger. Um, I think he's going to be really good. Um, Dickinson's obviously kind of like a one of one in terms of like, I mean, there's just not a lot of guys like him anymore. Um, and you know, he, he was like, you mentioned, he, he's going to get his points. Like, I don't think there's any way you're holding him to like nothing. Um, but they did a good enough job in the second half of kind of like weathering the storm. And ultimately in the first half, I think there were some defensive lapses and things that kind of let that lead slip or let the Michigan's league get bigger, I should say. Um, and ultimately in the second half, they did a better job closing out, um, kind of got Michigan off the three point line a little bit more, I thought, um, and did a nice job kind of with the post trap stuff and just keeping the ball from moving as well as it did earlier in the game. And yeah, I mean, I think a very solid win. I think it'll be a, a nice quad one win later in the season. Um, you know, you're not going to blow everybody out, <laughs> um, especially teams like Michigan that are, that are good. And I thought it was encouraging to see them give up. What was it? 23 points or something in the second half after 45 in the first. Um, that was nice to see. And, you know, it seems like it was just sort of like uh, they just kind of buckled down and did the work in the second half. It didn't seem like they changed a whole lot. Um, so, I mean, very, very solid win all around. Three-point shooting is is obviously something we've we've talked about before because to this point in the season, I thought Virginia was pretty reliable. All right, so check this out. So UVA only took three three-pointers in the entire second half. All right, Clark makes his, makes one of the one of the only two they made um, with 1909 left. Okay. And then BVP had the one. Right? And then he had the one at 515, which gave them um, the 65, 60. That's when it kind of felt like they were starting to take over a little that, bit. Exactly. Yeah. And I, and that's, and that, that stretch, I, I think that really shines a light. You know, I mentioned earlier, like this team, like I, I think the 20 team, the, the COVID team, man, that was so, just such a weird year. But what we're seeing from from Vanderplas is not necessarily exactly I think what you would have gotten in, from Hauser in a normal season, but it's similar in the sense that like the I guess the difference with with BVP is he's coming off the bench and he's able to sort of give Tony um, some chess pieces, whereas Hauser had to fit um, as a starter, right? But I, I just love I love Virginia having this option to sort of you know if you think about it. Tony's five has always been basically what Virginia was going to be. You might have a dude here or there who were going to come in and make an impact, but they weren't going to necessarily going to sort of outshine everybody. Right. Sometimes with centers, you know, and bigs, you know, you knew that like the money lineup wasn't going to quite be what the starters were. It's very different for Virginia to have a guy who comes off the bench who very likely, right. Could be part of um, not just like the, the, the money, the lineup, Right but like a dude who's actually like carrying the team. And there were that stretch last night, BV, he is carrying them, right? He's, he's, he's really given them what they needed. Um, honestly, I thought there were a couple of times in the first half where when Dickinson was on him and he had three point looks and he kind of jab stepped and instead of sort of taking the shot, he, he passed it off. Um, I would like to see him be a little bit more aggressive um, because I feel like, his shooting, you know, like the other guys are going to kind of come and go, right? Franklin had a rough night after a good season so far. Um, you know, Beekman uh, hit one. Um, again, they only took eight, so it's uh, it's not that it's not like there's a whole lot of there there. But my but my my larger point here is that BVP is a little bit. Um, he's like a little bit like the microwave, right? Like you just you, you don't he doesn't need a lot to get going and impact the game in a substantial way. And I thought. The way he was used last night, um, and certainly the the confidence that that Virginia has in him to sort of come off the bench, be a dude who plays minutes, um, it is a um, it's not just really good for this group, but it's very interesting to see in the larger picture because of sort of where Virginia has been with transfers. Uh, Dave, overall, I feel like the thing I was most intrigued by watching this game was. The, the kind of the switch that they flipped from a defensive standpoint, right? We we've seen them score this year, right? We have not seen them be sort of elite. And you made a comment to Ferber and I, you know, like you just didn't think they were quite, you know, to that level. Um, and yeah. then they put that second half together. Now I'm not saying like, look, Michigan was also not was just make missing shots. Like I'm not, and and I know UVA played a part in that, but I, but it's not like they were like, you know, blocking shots and you know left and right, and Michigan just you know 
whatever. I, I do think Michigan was as much a part of that as anything else. But it was really good to see them on a on an opposing floor in a game where they were, you know, trailing early and it looked like Michigan was kind of um, really up for the fight. It re- it was really good to see them clamp down defensively in that second half. Yeah, and I don't know that they did anything different. They just played harder. Um, you know, they closed out harder. They, you know, off the ball, they they stuck closer to their man. Um, and in the first half, I thought the defense, while not great, it was pretty good. You know, Michigan didn't have a bunch of wide open shots. They made some tough threes there. Um, you can't guard everything, you know, and when Dickinson was feasting inside, I don't know how you – you just can't let him keep doing that. You got to help, you know. You got to be in position to help, so – yeah, I think the defense will come and go and, you know, especially when you're on the road, you know, this is the first true road game for Virginia and obviously that their crowd was into it. Um, and I thought as soon as the pressure, as soon as, you know, Michigan had that big run, what, 21 to six, I think it was, um, you know, everything's going well. It's easy. Those shots are a lot easier, but once Virginia kind of closed it back offensively and even in that run, Virginia hadn't started the second half, you know, Michigan made some shots there. Virginia just kept making airs. Um, so, you know, Michigan wasn't, wasn't able to kind of slow it down. But once the game got close again, everything just got tight. And some of that had to do with – it was weird. When BVP went on Dickinson there, you know, they were they were doubling some. But, you know, he was just pounding them. And it felt like Michigan, just like Illinois, was just so determined to try to get the ball to them that their offense stopped moving as much. So the guys weren't, you know, creating space by moving hard off the ball. So – Look, it all works together. Um, it's hard to play good defense when you don't score. You know, you get that occasional team like the COVID team that could do that because they just had so many elite pieces. And like we've discussed multiple times, they they had that, you know, I had Mamadi who could guard three spots, um, if not four, which this team doesn't have. So, like, I think the defense is good enough, especially when you combine it with the offense. Um, and just one more thing on BVP. I think we've talked about it, but – you know, obviously he can shoot, you know, he's not elite there, but he's a, a capable, if not very good shooter from outside. But I think what, what makes the offense so much better with him at the five is, you know, you're pulling that big out and then all of a sudden, you know, BVP can pass really well. So you get those guys cutting to the basket and, you know, he's on, he's almost running the point at points, you know, at, at times. And it's, that's a different look. Um, and then, you know, the very next possession, he might be in the post with Reese or Kihei initiating the offense. So that's tough on the that's tough on any opponent. Yeah, I'm to to your point earlier, um, you know, I think BVP is a um, you know, so I, you know, you can you can sort of I, I'm not saying he's gonna knock down everything, maybe he's not a knockdown guy, but I feel real good with him taking a shot. Um, and I, I think that they're when you add that that piece to the to the mix, Ferber, it, it's actually, you know, it's obviously very good news for UVA. Dave mentioned Mamadi being able to cover multiple spots, and this is something we've talked about in the past, and and I want to kind of get into this discussion of the 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 dude who turns somebody's water off, right? We talked about, and I, and I mentioned this a little bit on Twitter last night, right? The idea that, like, they don't have a Malcolm, they don't have a Dre, and they don't kind of have a, a Mamadi, right? A dude who can, um, they have Beekman, who if you have sort of a smaller or maybe what you could call like normal size guard, right? So like certainly they've got Kihei if it's a smaller, smaller guy, um, but if it's a six foot, six one, six two, six three guy. But in the case of Howard, he's six eight. And there were times in that first half where he was really cooking. And in part, I think because, you know, UVA just doesn't have a, a Brogdon or or Dre. Um but watching them in the second half, they they sort of figured out a way around it. And I'm curious to get your point of view on not having, I mean, like now we're we're kind. Of, I know we're picking nits a little bit because we're talking about like, well, how good could the team possibly be if you know X, Y, and Z, right? But do you see this as a real problem for them to not have somebody in that role, or do you feel like they can get it done um, in other ways because they do have you know talented guards who um, seem to be making life miserable uh, in terms of being able to sort of consistently get offense for forty minutes? Yeah. So yes and no. I think. Um, eventually in one of these games, it probably will be a problem. Like the odds just say that's the case. Um, you're also not going to play jet Howard, Keontae, George caliber players very often. Um, even though they already have twice. Um, 
you know, those guys don't come along or like if they're six, eight and can score a lot, it's usually like one specific way, you know, they can shoot or, you know, they can do stuff around the rim. Um, I think like in most games they can, they can weather it because you're, if that, if it, you have an alpha wing kind of guy like that, you're, unless you're playing like Duke of Carolina, um, they're probably not going to have a lot of other guys around them that can do the same thing. Um, so you can kind of throw extra help at, at that guy, but yeah, I mean, I think we all kind of think that like Ryan Dunn will eventually be that guy, probably not this year, but like next year. And then you have Leon Bond coming, you know, so the future is okay. I think in the, in the present, um, you know, it'll be interesting to see how it goes against some of the better teams they play. So I think eventually it will become like an issue where maybe a guy goes off for 30, you know, um, and you just kind of take your lumps and hope that you can find a way to win. The reason that I'm not, I don't think it's fatal. That, that's how I would describe it. It's a, it's a concern, but it's not fatal because I think this team can score enough to, to win anyway. Um, if they continue to play like they have on offense, like, I mean, they, they made a lot of stops in the second half of the, of the game last night. Um, and that's why they won, but they also got to 70 points. So, I mean, you're not winning that game 62 to 60. Um, and you're not beating Baylor. You're probably not beating Baylor, you know, 62 to 60. Um, so if they can continue to score and be efficient on offense, even like, you know, last night they didn't, you, you I don't remember what they were three for the, uh, from three for the game, but they, it's not like they lit it up. Um, and yeah, I mean, I, I think they can overcome some of the things on the defensive end. I mean, they can't be as bad as they were in the first half of last night's game all the time. Like, obviously that's not going to work, but you know, you can get by with giving up some buckets to good, bigger wing players. If you can, you just have to make up for it somewhere else. And I think they can make up for it on the offensive end. That's a fair point. What do you think, Dave? Yeah. I mean, I, I don't know that Dunn will be the answer this year. Like it, you know, he looked fun in those, you know, smaller games, um, you know, lesser competition, but you know, last night you kind of saw like, you know, he doesn't, his strength isn't where it needs to be for his sides. And, and in his, you know, it, you know, in all fairness to him, like he's, he's grown a lot recently and he's still kind of growing into the body he's, he's got now. So maybe about mid season, you know, I might be able to give you a few minutes here and there um, just to give you some files on that kind of guy <laughs> or just be aggressive because you don't need him to stay out of foul trouble. Um, and you might be able to use that with, you know, if you, you can run a guy off the three point line with, you know, with BVP, you know, with BVP Gardner or um, even playing Franklin at the three. But if you can run him off the line and you've got Shedrick in, you can, you know, you've got some stuff. So I think that's going to be key for Virginia too. And in, in guarding those wings, it's, it's keeping Shedrick out of foul trouble so that when you, when you do have to take the strategy where we're just going to have to run them off the three point line because we don't have the size, you've got help to, kind of erase the mistake at the at the basket um and that's another thing like i mean you know you saw tony last night he pulled shedrick with, with one foul like early in the first half um because he didn't have, he never had two unless the box score was wrong no he didn't he just had the one we, we know how he does with two fouls so um you know it may be key like you know you now that you can you know ben can play some five for you in spots you know, now you've got more than just Kafaro to rotate there. I think you can do, you can be proactive and kind of keeping Shedrick out of foul trouble so that you've got that option when you right. need to kind of clamp down. Um, but yeah, like Ferber said, I think if you can score, it makes up for that. Um, but that's just what this team is. But, you know, the upside is they've, they've got a guy who can erase at the back when he's in the game. And, you know, they've got two elite, if not three elite guard defenders. Um mm -hmm. Yeah. it's hard to have five elite defenders. Yeah. And I, Dave, I was literally just going to like when I muted myself out, when you started talking, I was like, I should have mentioned, like, if you have help defense at the rim, you can get away with it. Like, you know, and that's the thing is like the pack line is a team defense. Like you're going to have individual matchups. You have to win. But like, ultimately, if you're doing what you're supposed to be doing, you're running the guy into other guys. So like hope if they, if, if, if they can kind of like tighten some of that stuff up, they can get, you know, the, the guys that'll light them up that are like the tough matchups are like the Jason Tatum types who are going to shoot you out of the game. Right. And, and those guys, I mean, I don't know if you have, 
you might have a, like a, a Dre and you're still going to get lit up by those dudes sometimes. Yeah, especially because, I mean, like we talked for a long time, right, about the pack line and the susceptibility to, to three-point shooters with length, right? I, I call it the Evan Smotrich rule, right? There's no, there's no reason in the world some of these dudes get looks. But the reality of the defense is, is that, you know, guys can kind of camp out and if the ball gets there in the right spot, like – Especially the if they're playing at the four, because yeah, exactly. then you have That's to pull like these, that four away. Exactly like, these these three four types with you know these dudes with length. If they've got if they can hit those shots, they're going to get those shots. I mean that has historically been you know a pack line sort of reality, right? Can the we rea- change it to the Sp- Constantino's Midaglue rule? The Greek <laughs> Deke. <laughs> the Greek Deke. Um, but no, I mean like yeah, I think you're the way you're framing it about it not being fatal is is really spot on because. You know, part of part of my thought process in talking about it, like on Twitter and stuff last night, right, was in this game with this specific sort of um, roster that they're facing, right. If the Howard kid is able to get going from three, that is, is extremely difficult. If he and the Llewellyn kid, who was like two of twenty three or some nonsense, coming into the game, right. But if the both of them are hitting, right, Terrence Williams is then hitting, right, like. Now you you got yourself in a situation where you have a big that you can't really necessarily shut down and right and that's that and that's so problematic and I don't think there are going to be many teams that can put the leverage on you that Michigan can actually put between the Dickinson kid in the middle um, and having somebody with Howard's length at, from three right that now, team is a freaking nightmare if you get them in the tournament exactly like, I don't know that they're going to show up on that day right but I right. definitely would not want to play that exactly <laughs> that potential is tough right and in addition to that right you, if you're if you're UVA you have Shedrick this is also I think uh, and the, and one of the reasons I wanted to talk about it on the show is like one of the things that you'd like to do is to have more sort of long-bodied guard-like dudes right and I'm looking at the roster, and they got Leon Bond and Isaac Trout. Now, Trout's not going to be, at least initially, and probably you know down the road, he's he's a much more like sort of offensive minded dude. He's he's more athletic, I think, um, than a lot of like your typical bigs would be. Um, he's not, you know, I, obviously Jay Huff was a was a longer kid who could shoot threes too. But Trout is a little bit better off the bounce. You know, Jay was just, he had some, he had athleticism, but he didn't necessarily have um, ball skills, right? He wasn't going to put it on the deck. Trout is a kid who can do that a little bit. He's not like a, you're not going to like, you know, run a, a screen for him at the top of the key with nine seconds left in the shot clock. But he's a dude who can kind of get to spots and, and get his shot. The Bond kid, though, is, is extremely interesting, especially because Dunn is on this roster. You could absolutely have a scenario in a year where this thing we're talking about is not only not a problem, but it's not a problem like twofold, right? Because not only will they have a dude who they can put on a 3-4, but they might have a dude they can put on like a 4-5, right? Um, Dre did a nice job in his short UVA career of being able to play both smaller and bigger. Brogdon did the same thing. But the thing with Dre was that he could really, I mean, I know they put Malcolm on, you know, the occasional, you know, kind of 4-5 guy. But like in this game, what you really needed was somebody else that you could bring off the bench um, when Shedrick is either you know bleeding or hurt or um, you know in foul trouble. That wasn't Kafaro. I, I I love Poppy to death, but this was a really bad matchup because Dickinson's footwork is just absurd, and you're not going to be able to sort of just bull in a china shop that dude. Um, now, if they ever have to run into Purdue. <laughs> Poppy gets in there and gets his five fouls, right? Um, because you're going to need every bit of that you can get against that Ivy kid, right? But the the bottom line for for this matchup, to to your point, Ferber, is like Michigan puts so much pressure on you. They have so much leverage between sort of the mix of skill sets that they have. And they also have a lot of decent pieces around those guys, right? So it's not just the two of them. Um, the Williams kid is like a perfect accent to guys like that. Llewellyn is a great guard for them. The Buffkin kid, great guard for them. Um, hell, they even bring Joey Baker off the bench, right? And so he can come in the game and really kind of stretch you out. And I really thought Jimmy Dykes was on it last night talking about trying to play in um, Dickinson with um, Baker on the same side because then you can't kind of cheat off of him. Um, I thought that was something that Michigan really didn't do nearly enough of in this game because I thought that, that would you know kind of put Virginia in a little bit of a bind. Um I don't want to like 
I don't want to sound the alarm or anything like on Cousin Armand. I, I, I'm really interested to see sort of how Virginia comes out against Florida State on Saturday. Um, but but I do think it's interesting that they can have their leading scorer score two points and still put uh, five or excuse me four other five other dudes in double figures. Um, I, I just think that that's a really sort of interesting wrinkle for this team is to have so many different options. Um, and certainly as we get into ACC play and everything that comes thereafter with the, you know, we all know that the bottom part of the league is going to be Bobo, right? Like, I think we all kind of agree about that. I, I'm not really sure to make, I'm not sure what the middle looks like or what it will look like. Um, and hell right now, I'm not even really sure, sure who else other than UVA, I even know who they are, right? Like Carolina in that four overtime game the other night looked like desperately trash. Like, did they run a single offensive play for like two overtimes? It I don't looked think like they, they did. All last year, except for the NCAA tournament. Yeah, right. <laughs> and the good. UVA games. <laughs> and the, yeah, yeah, that's true. Um, but it, but my 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 point is, is that like you know, I feel like we 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 keep finding out more about this team and everything we seem to find out we like. Um, so I think I know who Louisville is, by the way. Uh, no, well, okay. I meant like the top teams. <laughs> I there there's a bunch of trash in the league. Like for example, I didn't expect Pittsburgh to be even remotely decent and maybe they might be i'm not sure yet we'll see <laughs> um we'll find out um but anyway um before we leave hoops let's talk a little bit about um sort of what's coming up soon so it's so obviously florida state they get uh the knolls what's the I, I don't have the um the stat feed up what's the is that game over florida state and purdue they're down nine or ten yeah no. purdue okay. purdue came back and took the they're up ten yeah, with like um, a minute and a half to go. So, so at that point, Florida State will be what one and eight. One and coming. eight. Jeez, I mean, I've never heard of an ACC team. Well, you know, Louisville's like cool. zero and seven, and then yeah. Florida State's like the first one power five eight? time to go zero and six, zero and seven. That's and then like you got a one and eight. Like, yeah, that's rough. wild. Rough. What's fi- and Florida what's State cra- was picked like fifth in the yeah. league or something. What's crazy to me, and I know, I know, I know, um, Florida State has some injuries, right? Um, but. <laughs> What's what's crazy to me is that like there are two teams that are combined one for fifteen so far this season or whatever, and neither one of them are Boston College. Like, what is mm-hmm. happening in the world? I mean, that's just that's just bananas to me. Um, all right, so so obviously Florida State coming up. Um, what do we? I mean, because we won't record again until after that matchup. Dave, what's your your general sense of uh, of the Knolls? Is this one Virginia better win by fifteen or twenty? I, mean, I don't. It's it's ACC play. You just win. Who cares how many but you win by, right? Um, well, those of us with but, podcasts need to care about those things, Dave. <laughs> no, I mean Florida State. Just watch them tonight. Like you know, they are what they are. They're just not as skilled. You know, they're going to do what they do, which is spread Virginia out and attack you from multiple positions. Um, I mean, I wouldn't be shocked to see it tight for a while, but you know, at home with you know, assuming Reese is good to go, you know, that's a game changer if he's not in a game like this because, um, sounds like know, he's he, okay. Yes, yeah, it. it he looked okay yesterday, um, but you know we'll see how it heals up. If he's not in, like it could be a tighter game. But yeah, it, it shouldn't be much trouble for Virginia if they if they play well and make some shots, which we expect them to do at home. Um, I mean, it should be a big crowd, and that'll help. And Armand certainly shoots better at home this year than he does on the road. What do you think, Ferber? Yeah, I mean, I think I don't want to say like this is a game you just handle because, like Dave said, it's an ACC game. You know, you don't want to like take it for granted. Um, but ultimately, I think it's good. I think this is a really good ACC opener because um, you get it's like a winnable game at home. Like, and a team like Florida State, like a lot has gone wrong for them, you know, but they hung tight with Purdue in the first half tonight at home. You don't want to give them hope. Like, you know, you don't want them to get feeding off of a crowd if they start hitting a few shots. And and you kind of saw what happened in the Michigan game when that happened. But I think at home, UVA should be able to handle them. I mean, UVA definitely could win this game by, like, 20 points. Um, I think ultimately, like Dave said, it might be tight at times, but I think they'll they'll handle it. Not yeah, to I'm... mention they probably want this one because of what happened in the last game they played. I don't know if guys really care about that, but... Yeah, I mean, Florida, you had to, Florida State you know, was ridiculous buzzer beater play last year. You know, Virginia's carrying a, you know, 
you know, a big bullseye on their back with that number three next to their name. Yeah. Uh, and, and also it is like, you kind of look up and it's like, if you're a player, it's like, all right, this one counts like for real, like you lose to Michigan. It's like, Hey, we lost, you know, whatever, not a big deal. Florida state counts towards the league. You know, it's like, yeah. this one feels it, it's, it just carries more weight. Yeah. And it's going to be interesting with the league kind of what it looks like it's going to be, you know, there's going to be some games that like, not only do you not want to lose your, you know, I mean, I don't think Virginia's going to be in trouble making the tournament, but, you know, seeding, there's going to be some losses, you know, if you lose an ACC game here like or there. Florida State at home, yeah. maybe. Yeah, Florida State <laughs> at home being a yeah. perfect example, you know, which could be really bad come tournament seeding time. Um, but, yeah, you know, that said, I think <laughs> I think this should be okay Saturday. And it's amazing, like, you know, if you look at – I don't think any of us would have picked Virginia to be undefeated going into December. Maybe we um, need to get into the preseason prediction podcast. I felt like if they yeah. had, if they went two and two through the big four games, that would be like pretty good. Yeah, and you could and you right know, now you can make the argument that they could lose every one and still be a tournament team. That's what's so crazy. Yeah, about. that's wild. Yeah, yeah, um, absolutely. Um, the 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 way I wanted to close up our hoops conversation tonight was sort of talking about how easily we've all fallen back into like you know what amounts to old habits, right? Um. I had a friend of mine and, and she, she was talking about how like her son was, was kind of tired from a long day and was hoping that like Virginia was going to handle business pretty quickly last night. Um, so, so he could go to bed early, which I thought was funny because like the, the, the reality is, is that like, yeah, it was, you know, there were a couple of tough seasons and UVA didn't miss, uh, didn't make the tournament last year. Right. But like real quickly, Virginia fans are like, everybody's gone back into like, yeah, the team is like crazy good again mode, right? Like how, like you guys are just a second ago, just a perfect example. Just a second ago, you guys are like talking about seeding and stuff. And like last year, like most of the season, basically all of it, we were like, all right, what do they got to do? Like what, what inside straight do they need to draw in order to even make the thing? Right. And I think it's just really interesting that like Virginia, like for a couple years there was like a, like a little topsy turvy. And now it's like not, right back to you know bullseye on the back number three in the country i mean that that building last night probably would have been you know pretty decently juiced either way but a top five team undefeated on the year comes in i mean that place was that place was hype man and that's you know i mean not not everywhere that's not how it's going to be when they go to connie forum or whatever um do they even go to connie forum this year whatever i i it's, it's it was worth the joke um but no my, my point is is that like We've all sort of just fallen back into, yep, Virginia's dominant again. And I got to be honest, feels kind of nice. Feels kind of nice. Yeah, like, I mean, I'll, I'll say I don't know if they're the third best team in the country yet. I don't no. have – I'm not going to say that they're not. Like, you know what I mean? Like, we could find out that they are because not every – you know, there's a lot of teams that have flaws, like pretty much everybody. Um, well, I think that that comes down to how you define the 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 way – how you define the the sentence you just said, right? Mm -hmm. Are they the third best team in the country right now? Or are they the third best team in the country? Those two things are very different. I think it's very fair to say that given what we've seen from all the teams that have played thus far, right? Yeah. We sort of have a sense of who the best teams are or the teams that at least are demanding the most respect, but that doesn't necessarily mean that they're the best three teams. Right? I mean, or they the deserve to be ranked third, hundred like percent, based on what they've accomplished and where they started. I just don't know if they're that bulletproof yet. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know that they're that. Yeah, I will say, last night did on some level did confirm a little bit more to me that they might be. Now, that's not to say mm -hmm. they can't come out Saturday and lay an absolute egg, right? They they could. Like, that's obviously a thing that could happen. And they've had some like weird moments in other games. Like, you know, like the, again, we're picking nits. It's not like I'm saying they're bad, but like, you know, the Maryland Eastern shore game, they handled it, but there were times where it was like, nothing was happening, you know, in the first half yeah. for like weird long stretches. Yeah. Obviously they were trailing NC central not that long ago in the second half. Um, yeah, and they still they, go ahead. Sorry. No, I was just going to say, so, I mean, I think that, I definitely have no qualms saying they're better than I thought they would be at least early in the season. And I definitely think that they're probably like, I think they're a top half of the top 25 team instead of a bottom half of the top 25 team was what I thought in the preseason. But, and I think they have work to do here and there, but ultimately like, 
I, I don't want to set people up for unrealistic expectations if they drop the Houston game by 12 or, you know, and it's like, oh, maybe like we need a reset. Yeah. And I, you know, I think one thing I noticed last night, you know, you, obviously the result makes you think, oh, this team can, you know, it can, can battle from adversity and come up with ways to win. But during that 21 to six run, there were points I was looking at the team like, who's going to score? You know, because you, you got that feeling at points last night because there's while you've got guys who can score, you don't have a DeAndre, you know, to go make things happen regardless. Um, so, you know, that's that's probably why they're not a top three or four team um, right now um, compared to what some of the other teams will become as their young guys get older. But, you know. I'm just picking nits right there. <laughs> just, I will I, say, Dave, I mean, I did I, feel like who's going to score, you know? Yeah. I will say, Dave, I, I had a calm. I, and, and this isn't always, um, this is, <laughs> this is not always the case, dear listener, um, that, you know, these games are like this and Virginia's down seven or eight points. I'm like, no, nah, they're, they're totally going to come back and, and do this. Now, part of that is somewhat delusional right it's it's just a function of, of you know just sort of the way that things happen um it's like a like a like a reflex or whatever um but i i, I did as this thing was going on i just never i never really thought they were going to lose and i and i don't know if that's necessarily a function of them sort of like quote unquote proving it to me per se but i but like the entire game, even when they were down at, at the half, I just I, I just wasn't necessarily concerned, um, which I think is partly why I started focusing on like the the, um, you know, not having the sort of bigger, bigger guard or bigger wing to um, to defend somebody. I, I think that what I've seen from the college basketball games I've watched this year is that Virginia has the pieces to be able to play with anybody and. It has not. I mean, like, there's only been a handful of Virginia teams as good as Virginia has been, where I truly, where I truly believe that. The problem with right now is that it is November the 30th as we record this, right? And we've only seen what we've seen. The problem, the counter to that is, it's like, yeah, but what we've seen already, as we talked about last week, right, is so much like there's more depth, there's more there there for for what we've seen so far this season than most seasons we see. Right, because the the early season tournament had you know a lot of talent because they've now gone to a true road environment against a team that I think you know to y'all's point earlier is a you know a Sweet Sixteen kind of squad. I mean, you really don't want to play these guys um, like the the second game you know of a weekend. Like you don't want to do that. Um, so I I don't know. I, I I'm not saying like I'm not ready to crown them right, but at the same time, like there is a there there is a calm I had in this game that I think is much more a function of them um, having a lot of different skill sets to sort of overlap. Like Dave's talking about like worried about who's going to score. And like, I just, I just felt like they're going to figure it out. Now last night I thought Beekman was aggressive. I think he has to keep like, that's I I can't stress this enough. The Virginia teams that just pass, 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 drive me nuts. Like take the shot, like hit the ball, Sergio, right? Like do it. Right. And that was, you know, part of my um, my heartburn with BVP last night because I thought there were a couple of times, you know what, take it. Beekman being aggressive, Clark being aggressive but smart about it. Um, you know, I even love the fact that Caden Shedrick squared up for that three. Like, he, he shot that thing with confidence. Like, go out there and play. And I think there have been so many Virginia teams at, or so many times over the years, right, where you're just like, what are you doing? Like, I remember, like, Joe Harris would, like, be in the air and pass. I'm like, no, no, dude, you taking the shot is better. NBA three point competition (laughs) winner. Exactly. Like take the shot, dude. Like, don't worry about whether or not there's one more pass you could make. Um, Remember the, the Brewers of possession earlier in the season, one of the games we were both at and there was like a, a ridiculously good passing sequence where like, open guy passed the open guy passed the open guy passed the open guy. And then Reese Beekman missed a three from the top. And we were like, Maybe that was one too many passes. Yeah, maybe that's we one like, too many. Maybe that was one too few passes. I don't know, <laughs> but that's few. not the shot you're supposed to get. Yeah, and that's what I thought last night. I thought they didn't, even though, like I said, even though they didn't take enough threes, and I would like to see them sort of, because um, I do think that that opens up a lot for them. Man, they were really doing a good job of taking what Michigan was giving them. I mean, they scored 44 points in the paint. There were times last season they didn't score 44 points, right? Like, 
it's it's hard to sort of sometimes keep this stuff in perspective um but i think pers- you know perspective is important all right uh speaking of perspective i think as we go into the football off season um as you can hear the change in the tone of my voice i went from being excited to talk about basketball to whatever the heck's about to happen um and with the portal ferber wrote a, a really good piece um that was uh, on the side this morning about sort of looking at some of the bigger questions facing UVA this off season. And I, and I think that it did a really nice job of, of taking a snapshot, not just like, Hey, everybody let's freak out about these three things, but it was really a good job of sort of like laying it, laying the groundwork for all that's to come. Um, The fact that, you know, his first question is how will departures and arrivals shake out? I mean, I think that for every team in America, basically, right, the, the transfer portal has become uh, as important as anything else, right? Um, who you're going to lose, who you're going to add. And I think it's fair it, for folks, if you're out there and you think Virginia's not going to have a bunch of dudes leave, you should be, you should absolutely be fixing that. Um, you know, it, I feel like this year is poised to be, I mean, just seeing the, the names of the guys going in the portal already. I, whatever the number was last year, this year is going to be even bigger by a substantial margin, I feel like. Um, and I know that, you know, I think that there are lots of concerns, um, you know, about the way that like NIL plays into the whole thing and, you know, tampering and all this different stuff. Ultimately, though, the bottom line is going to be that there are going to be a lot of dudes that are not going to be on the teams that they were on this season. And I feel like Virginia is going to be one of those teams that's likely going to hit pretty hard um, simply because it's sort of the nature of a whole lot of things. And, um, you know, Dave, as we sort of look forward, I think it's safe to say there's going to be a lot of transfers. What's your what's your gut tell you? I'm not gonna, I'm not at saying you got to give me a number yeah. for the record, but just in general. Um, and what what are you, what's your what's your level of preparation for the doomsday that might be coming? All right, Dave. No numbers, but we want names. Yeah, that's yeah, right. Okay, yeah. Give me I'll give me your. Like, remember how you know how like we do the uh, in the preseason <laughs> we do like the who's going to score a touchdown thing. Can you give me all the names of the dudes that you're picking? No, we're not doing that. Yeah. <laughs> no, I mean, not not to make you feel bad for saying that, but yeah, I do. I would feel remiss if I didn't say like you know the team is on their way back from their final funeral. Um, you know, Lavelle's funeral was today, which was lovely if you watched it. Um, so it's, but yeah, that's kind of the signal that, you know, they've gotten through the three and it's a terrible tragedy. No team should go through. And certainly that's going to contribute to some people leaving that maybe weren't thinking about it. Maybe some guys who were thinking about it are going to stay because they feel the connection now because of that. Um, so I'm, I'm trying to separate this discussion from that. This is not taken away from how terrible the end of the season was. And um, I had the, the same problem ended. when I wrote the thing. I was like, yeah. how do I talk about this stuff without like with the elephant in the room? You know what I mean? Yeah. So separating from that, you know, that it, it's a terrible tragedy. I mean, I'm sure like players wish they could just separate from it. Like look, we're trying to here, but um, I mean, I think you have to, you know, if you just look at what we saw on the field prior to, you know, the tragedy was, you know, an offense that couldn't get out of its own way at times, um, you know, a whole new scheme, a new coaching staff that came in. Um, I think tomorrow is actually the, no, Friday would be the one-year anniversary since Bronco resigned. So a lot's happened, right? Um, you got a new coach, you know, and Tony really didn't take the team over till late December because of the bowl prep that, you know, for the bowl that eventually didn't happen. And, you know, most of this team wasn't recruited by him. Some of them chose to stay for him. Um you know, but so you're going to get your normal, Hey, first year of regime, you know, first year, first year of regime, regime change transfers. Um, and then you're going to have your, I don't like this offense or this defense isn't what I thought, or this just isn't it. But I think we're going to see substantial transfers. And, um, I don't know that it's because of just the coaching staff. Some of it will have to do with what happened with, you know, with the, with the shooting, but I'd say buckle up and, you know, it, it just feels like things probably aren't as good as they could be um, even outside the obvious reasons for it. So, I mean, I, I'm prepared for some shocking names to go into the portal. Um, and I think, you know, that's just the nature of the beast right now. Like, like you said, Brad, there's so many names and I think we all have to remember like that COVID year, 
the transfer portal was already crazy. Now you've got all these guys who have an extra year. Um, and it'll be about two or three more years before that's not a factor anymore. So, you know, there's, it's crazy. I mean, there's some big names going in. Um, and obviously, you know, Virginia's only had one name kind of hit, you know, hit the news, but I'm, I'm guessing there's a lot of guys just waiting to get through today, you know, yeah. out of respect. So, I mean, right. I expect tomorrow, tomorrow will probably be a very active day. Yeah. I would imagine the rest of the week, um, you know, there's probably some exit interviews that'll happen and that kind of stuff. I, I think the, the bottom line Ferber, is, is that there are going to be a lot of dudes in the portal, but that doesn't necessarily mean, and as we've seen in the past, that guys are going to be, you know, leaving. It just means that there are a lot of guys. And I think that, I think that on some level, this might have been maybe, maybe not for everybody else, but for me, I, an unexpected sort of development. I always thought that dudes would go in because they were, you know, were, we're ready to leave. But what it seems like guys are doing is going in and sort of seeing what's out there. Um, you know, if you look at, you know, we joke around a lot when it comes to like NBA draft season and such, and guys are going to make NBA draft decisions. And we always joke that like, do these dudes realize that there's only two rounds of that? There's only but so many spots in the draft. There's only but so many scholarships out there. And the reality is, is that a whole lot of dudes from schools that are not at the power five level jump up and steal power five scholarships through the transfer portal, right? They've gone to Rhode Island or wherever, and they've proven themselves. And you know, like that kid from Rhode Island has picked up. I mean, my God, I feel like every time I open Twitter, he's picked up like three more offers. Um, but I, I think the, the bottom line on this is that like, there are going to be a lot of guys who go in just to see what happens. And then once they're in there, I mean, some some schools are obviously you know making NIL pitches. Some schools are making playing time pitches. Virginia, from an offensive standpoint, should have a decent amount of playing time to sell, um, especially if you're looking for a quarterback. Um, Ferber, what's your what's your general sense of doom right now? One being, nah, this is not a big deal, and ten being like, we don't want to open the message board because we don't want to read anything about it. Just as far as like transfers, yeah, yeah, with the number of guys that potentially could go in, um, are you super worried about it? Honestly, no. Just because, I mean, like you don't want everybody to leave, but um, I think, and, and I think part of this too is we have to sort of. It doesn't work like this. It's not as straightforward as this, but we almost need to have a defense conversation and an offense conversation, right? So, like, the defensive side of the ball, things were working pretty well. There was obvious improvement. The guys seemed to be having a good time out there. Um, I don't – that doesn't mean all your defensive guys are going to be, like, happy to be at UVA and want to keep staying and playing here because you might have guys on that side of the ball leave. And I think that's where people might be more surprised if, like, a, a good defensive player goes in the portal because it's like, well, why? Everything's, you know, going well for that side of the ball. But there's more to it than that. Having said that – I think you're going to see probably more movement on the offensive side of the ball. It just makes more sense um, given the scheme change, how the team played and all of that stuff. Not to mention you had some guys that could have left last off season and probably picked up bigger NIL money or gone to a different school. And they chose not to, for the most part. Um, some of those guys might decide to do that now. Some of those guys might, <laughs> the the fact that they stayed might make other guys kind of think maybe that I need to take my chance, you know, when I get it. Um, ultimately, I think like we've said, like this is kind of commonplace in college football. I would say like, obviously like it's hard to separate the shooting and everything that went with that from this. Um, but even before that, I think we were all kind of on the same page that we expected a good number of transfers. Um, and keep in mind, like, you think, like, the numbers are kind of crazy. They had, like, 18 last year, and it felt it felt like a lot, but it felt like it didn't feel like they weren't going to be able to field a team, you know? Yeah. Um, and I, so I think I expect something kind of similar to that, if I had to guess, um, this year. I mean, like, Michigan State, I think it was after Mel Tucker's first year, had, like, 24 transfers. Um, so, I mean, like, that's, like, the standard, I guess. Um, but ultimately, I think – this is not meant to be like an indictment of any players. Um, I certainly don't mean it this way, uh, like that way, but 
I think ultimately it might be best for a lot of people to get a fresh start, including right. the players. Yeah, that's exactly what I was. And so say. I, th- especially on, that's why I said like, we probably need to have a different conversation about the offensive side of the ball, because it seems to me like whatever was happening last year was just not working. Um, whether that be like personnel, not matching scheme, poor coaching. Um, you know, if the coaching is bad, then those players probably should go get a fresh start. Um, you know, and, or, or like the scheme or whatever it is. Um, so I think, ultimately this is going to, you know, we've kind we've talked about this off the air, but I think this staff and this program were kind of in a weird spot this year in some ways. And we would not have said this before the season because everybody was thrilled to have the guys back, but I think they tried to kind of like, or they ended up having to introduce a new offense to an offense full of players that thrived in a different system. And either like I don't want to say they didn't embrace the change but like the change didn't come naturally and they know how to do other things so they're like well we you know what we were doing is working um and the new staff obviously kind of threw a lot of that stuff out which is what you would expect them to do so I think like now you'll see like guys maybe make a, a decision to say you know this isn't a good fit for my talent um I'm going to go elsewhere and it's up to this staff and they might ultimately their fate might be determined by how they do in the portal and like guys coming in, you know, um, if they can get good, like, especially a quarterback, if you can like hit the right quarterback, a lot of things will look not so bad. Um, I mean, which is, if you don't, if you don't, and you have another season like this year, you know, like people are going to start to ask questions. <laughs> like, well, and and to to your point, the one of the reasons why this whole situation is as weird as it is, right, is because Bronco and company found two good transfer quarterbacks, right, and that was a big part of what propelled them to the success that they had when their when that regime was in charge. I mean, that, that's the long and short of it. Right? That's the one thing. I mean, like if they, the difference between like Broncos, the biggest difference between what Bronco was doing and what other coaches have done that have failed is quarterback play. Yeah, that's it. That's, and so like ultimately, like if you look at what happened to UVA this season, like there are a lot of reasons why, but a big part, I think of what was sort of like, of what was like in the mix of like why some of the things didn't seem to like, um, connect as well or whatever is because as we talked about before right this idea that like in a coaching change either the dude was things were so bad that folks are just so like thirsty they'll drink the sand or things were so good that that dude just went and got like a really great job and the thing keeps cooking right where virginia was was fine and that's not usually how culture changes shift and you had a coach who came in with his own culture who wanted to do things differently um whether, you know, folks agree or disagree, like that was going to, I mean, all coaches were going to do that. Nobody was going to come in. Like that's, that's one of the things that doomed Justin Fuente at tech, right? Is that he came in, he kind of tried to do some of what he wanted to do, but then also on the defensive side, it was like Beamer ball, right? It was still like, you know, 1997. Um, and you, you and they had that, they had a good first year and thought right. like, Oh, because we got it playing, all figured out. Exactly. Now. You're like, playing with a lot of the dudes who already knew all this stuff. And then, Oh yeah, by the way, the, the train went off the track real fast. Right. Um, I think you're exactly right for And that's exactly where I was going to go. It's like, there are probably a bunch of kids who it would probably behoove them. Right. And I mean, I'm not saying that from the standpoint of like, they can't have success at UVA nor that am I thinking that like UVA doesn't want them, but sometimes what you need in a coaching change is for the dudes who aren't, who, who it's like, if it's not your jam, that's okay. Right. It's, th- that's the great part about, one of the, the best parts about recent sort of NCAA, um, I don't know, rule changes, what have you, is that players can now move, right, if it's not right for you. And that's, I think, you know, I know that that causes so much turmoil. And I know for a lot of fans, this this entire idea is just, like, ridiculous. But for the kids themselves, like, if you're someplace and it's just not going to work out for you, now you get to go somewhere where, you know, maybe you can find the right fit for you and the school that you were formerly uh, a part of can find somebody else who will fit. And I think what you're going to probably see is you're going to see some guys who, whether, whether it's schematic or whether it's personality or a little bit of all above, wherever that are going to go somewhere else. And they're probably going to be happier. And Virginia's going to get somebody else in that spot. And they're probably going to be happier. I, I, we, we sometimes do this and I don't, 
try not to, but like a couple of years ago, UVA basketball had a bunch of transfers and every, I remember those days, like that week, right? Everybody's like, what is happening? What is going on? Now, granted, you know, transfers in basketball are a little bit different because there's not as many players, right? But the same sort of idea holds, which is like basically these dudes looked at it and said, you know what? I don't think it's going to be, it's going to work out for me here. I need something different. I need a change of scenery. How did Virginia using those spots work out for Virginia so far? They're the number three team in the country, right? Now, I would love to tell you that Tony and staff are going to go out there and find a you know former five-star quarterback who's going to come in and be Bryce Perkins. That's probably not going to happen, right? But the long and short of it is that there are a bunch of dudes who um, you know, are probably better off to go find that change of scenery. And honestly, you could make an argument just from a personal standpoint, just from like what makes sense, that the locker room might be better off if those guys who it, it's not working for them go somewhere else and, and you bring in dudes who who choose this staff, who choose this scheme and that kind of stuff. Um, it just makes sense to me. But I don't know. Yeah, I mean, um, that's where I am with it. I mean, I don't think – I don't – I'm I'm not going to say, like, if you're not in, leave, you know, but – and I'm not – the the there might be re- good reasons the players aren't in. You know what I mean? Like, it's not – if the scheme is not good, then I understand why they would have an issue with that. Um, or if it's just not a good fit or whatever, but ultimately I think the program is better off when you have a bunch of guys that maybe you kind of get like a reboot and it's like, you kind of get some guys in that are like, Hey, this is my, not only am I like wanting to be here and like accepted this staff and situation as like what I want, you know, if I came in, because ultimately if you look at the transfers that came in this year, I'm not, I'm probably missing some in my head, but like, you know, a lot of them had success right that's a really good point so like i don't i don't know that those guys are all like you know regretting it um but ultimately like you know i think some of those guys too you know you bring in another like let's say you bring in a quarterback and ultimately i think we also have to recognize that jay wolfolk is still in the mix i would say like i don't want to just complete discount his chances um but you know let's say they bring in a quarterback that quarterback not only is you know like choosing to be here like for whatever reason but also also it's like they it might be kind of their shot like their last chance right yeah or or like you know it's their big chance to do whatever they need to do and those guys are usually like they're you know tony i don't the coach speaks stuff whatever but he talks about self-motivation like i think that can be a positive thing like you know what i mean like you have a guy that it's like hey maybe like you know everything's not great everywhere, but like a, you have a quarterback or whatever. That's like, I need to do what I need to do to go to the league. Right. And I'm going to just put my head down and do it. Right. Dave, you got the last word. Yeah. I mean, y'all, y'all said a lot of what I would say. I mean, it's just, I mean, I think we as fans, you know, to separate yourself from the Virginia and everything going on here, like, you know, we just have to realize that, the transfer portal is a thing. It doesn't necessarily reflect everyone's not bought in. It doesn't reflect that your program's in shambles. Um, you know, they're very successful programs that have multiple guys in the portal right now. Right. Yeah. Um, it's just the way, way you have to look at it. And you have to realize like Justin said, like Virginia's done well with transfers they brought in. So um, you know, don't overreact to it, you know, and it's kind of all irrelevant from, you know, the bigger question we'll have as Virginia fans moving forward coming off a three and seven season um, is, you know, is Elliot going to work out as coach? And, you know, it, the more control of the roster he has, I think the more, you know, it, it makes it easier to make on us, you know, the less excuses. More, yeah. Is that there's what you're less trying excuses. To say? <laughs> um, you know, it's, you know, you can't complain, complain about performance if it's guys you've picked to bring in for it. That's so, fair. um, it's just gotta happen. Yeah. It's can, it's not always pretty. Um, but you know, obviously it's, a tough schedule next year and a lot of people probably coming in the next few weeks. Uh, I think what's early signing days, what, 12 days away, 13 days away. Um, you know, you know, I know Virginia doesn't have a ton of guys committed right now, but you know, be a lot of roster turnover, a lot of interesting things. I just think, you know, you know, if you're a Virginia fan and you want to keep your sanity, it, you know, expect, expect a lot and uh, realize that, you know, it ultimately what matters is how it nets out by next by spring yeah. or next fall. Yeah. 
That's right. You can you can flip the course of your program at least temporarily in the portal now in a way that you couldn't before. Like before it was like you had to slowly kind of build towards something. Like now it's like you could go out and get the if you hit the right quarterback or something, like you can win eight games instead of four. Yeah, um, yeah especially. Yeah. That quarterback yeah. position is so important. I, mean, I think or if you we're all kind it, of assuming that position will be eight. new next year. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, exactly. And I think like it, it's it's all about like ins versus outs, not just outs. Um and ultimately I think too, I know we're wrapping up, but like one thing I'll say too is not everybody goes in the portal for like football reasons or the same reason. You know, it's not always like an indictment of something and it's not always football related. You know what I mean? Like, so when you see, um, I don't know, I'm not like, I'm not projecting anything, but like, if you see like a great defensive back go in the portal, it's like, maybe that person is like trying to get an NIL deal or maybe they graduated and want to go somewhere else, or maybe they want to play in the sec. You know, it's not always like, there the situation isn't good or whatever you know and different guys want different things um the rule of, it seems to be with uva fans is you're just not allowed to transfer to north carolina <laughs> yeah and let's not forget there's multiple you know there's multiple head coaching jobs not filled so as those fill and you know the inevitable shifting of other staffs happens like you and know, what if what if per se i mean like just throwing it out there like what if like a former uva coach got a job like somewhere yeah, else could, that could definitely change some things. <laughs> well, that sounds that sounds like a podcast for another day. Um, if you are somebody out there who found the website, or excuse me, found the podcast through the website, thank you very much for giving us a listen. If you don't mind, look us up on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, wherever it is that you get your programs. We greatly appreciate that. Um, and if you're not, if you're somebody who's found the pod has not given us a look at the website, you can check us out at CavsCorner.com. I want to thank My Perfect Franchise for their support of the website and of the show. You can visit MyPerfectFranchise.net for more information on how you can find Free Meeting Night Adventure and discover the perfect franchise for you. And I want to thank um, everybody out there who continues to support the show and, of course, Dave and Ferber who are giving graciously of their time, as always. I very much appreciate all that they do. So, for David Spence and Justin Ferber, I'm Brad Franklin, publisher of CapsCorn.com. Thanks for coming out. See you soon.